last one of the series, Enough is Enough. I want you all to say it with me. Enough is enough. Like we've been looking in the last four weeks, we've seen that things happen in our lives and we have cycles or patterns in our lives or in our families that it just we don't understand why it's happening. And sometimes we are good believers, we are good Christians, we pray, we read the Bible, we go to church, we don't do things that people in the world do, and yet we have these things happen that we cannot explain. And we've talked a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things, we've shown you a lot of scriptures that as a believer, that these things can happen to us and what we need to do to overcome and to pull these strongholds and to destroy those patterns. And last week we went to a story of Haman and Esther in the Bible. We saw how when God led his children out of Egypt, right as they got into the wilderness, the first army they encountered were the Amalekites. And the Amalekites came behind them and killed a lot of the children, the old, the frail, and the sick. And God swore that he would destroy the Amalekites because of what they did. And I said, for us also, when we get saved, when we leave Egypt, when we leave the world and we are beginning to walk with God, going into our promised land with God, that there are things that attack us too. There are things that come against us too. And those are the Amalekites. And God told Saul, when he was the first king of Israel, through Samuel, the prophet, God said, I want you to destroy all the Amalekites. And when I talk about some of these things, like I said last week, remember, let's not always look at people and say, okay, God said, destroy the Amalekites, destroy the children, destroy the men, the women, even their livestock. How can God be so wicked? We have to think of it spiritually. God is telling us, when you get saved, the things that you used to do, the things that are holding you down, not making you give a hundred percent to the Lord. He's telling you to kill it. He's telling you to destroy them. Why? Because they will come back. They will come back to hunt you. And that's what we saw with Saul. He didn't kill all the Amalekites. He spared King Agag. And 500 years later, Esther comes to the scene, Mordecai comes to the scene, Haman comes to the scene. Fighting a battle, they did not start. And so we looked at Haman, Haman was from the Amalekites. And how Haman came in wanting to destroy the Jews. And we saw that Haman is a spirit. Haman the man may have been, been dead now for years and years and years, but that spirit is still here. That spirit that just continues to want to do things that maybe your ancestors did, you are not even aware, you are innocent. Like Esther came to the scene, she had no clue what went on 500 years ago, but she was from the lineage of Saul the Kish, the Kish family, the Jews. So God was telling Esther now, as he's telling us, you may not have known what your great-grandpa, great-grandma did. You may not even be aware of the battle you're in. But you are seeing that there are patterns in your family. Like I said, there's a particular illness that's just running through the whole family. 
Or there are some the women in the family are never married. Or there's always something divorced. There's just a, something in all the families happening to you here. It's happening to your sister in New York. It's happening to your mother in Africa or whatever. And you're wondering, where is this coming from? That's the Amalekite. That's the spirit of Haman. And we said last week that Haman has been studying us. Haman is not just mad at Mordecai. Only Mordecai did not bow. But Haman said, not only will I kill Mordecai, I'm going to kill all the Jews. So here you are trying to live for the Lord. He's so mad at you, but he's not only going to try and attack you, he's going to try and attack your children. He's going to try to attack all your brothers, your sisters, your family members, everybody he wants to kill. And we said, not only is he watching you, not only does he want to destroy just your whole family with you, he also has people working with him. These demons have other principalities, demonic forces working with them. And so we said, what did Esther do? How was Esther able to conquer Haman? How do we conquer the Haman in our life? Let me read our foundational scriptures. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 11. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. This battle, you have to have strength, but it's going to be the strength in the Lord. You cannot fight this battle with physical means. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor, not partial, not one piece of the armor. Put the whole armor on, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. We have mighty weapons through God. And those weapons are strong enough to pull down any stronghold, to destroy any pattern, to destroy any cycle in your family and in your life. Casting down arguments and high, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity. That thought that says it will never change. Bringing it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And in Nahum chapter 1 verse 2 in the Living Bible, he says, God is jealous over those he loves. God is jealous over you. That Haman spirit, God is jealous over you, does not want that Haman spirit to overcome you. He said that is why he takes vengeance on those who hurt his people. God, the Bible says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise for us. He says he furiously destroys their enemies. Haman had access to the kingdom, had access into the king's presence, but he did not have authority. He could not do anything without the authority of the king. Yeah, the enemy would go like you saw in, in, in Job, went before the Lord and said, look at Job. Haman went before the king and said, there are a people. They are not doing the things that you, they should do. I have the legal right to hurt them, to destroy them. And the king says, yes, they are in your hands. But we know how to fight. We know how to destroy Haman. And we are going to see in Esther, this woman was beautiful, she was young, but she was spiritually intelligent. Let's see what Esther did. Let's read the, the scripture, it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11, and then I'll do 14 to 18. It says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. 
He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Put on your breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You must be a peaceful person. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all, all of them, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, your mind. Put that helmet on. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always. We have to be a people of prayer. Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end without perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So how did she deal with Haman? Esther told Haman in chapter 4 of Esther verses 15. Esther sent a reply to Mordecai. says, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast, fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Fasting. Fasting and praying. You want to deal with that human spirit? You must be willing to crucify your flesh and fast. Even Jesus himself said, there are some things that will only go out by prayer and fasting. If you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and nothing is changed, tell yourself, this year, every Monday, I'm going to fast with the church for this problem. If you can, you can say, okay, for the first three days of every month, I'm going to give that as my tithe, my 10% of my time, of my days of that month to fast before the Lord for this particular Haman that is in my life. That's what Esther did. For three days, she fasted. For three days, she prayed. And she said, not only I, everyone fast with me. Listen, your children can fast. Your children can fast. Teach them how to start fasting. It may not be what you're doing, but they have things that they love. Food. I'm not talking about TV and all of that. We started doing that in this generation. Fasting in the Bible is you deny yourself of food. If it's something they like to eat, I know my son, my youngest son, loves cheese. So all I did was for the 21 days we fasted or when we did our fast, that day or whatever, I don't give him cheese. And I know how painful that was to him. So find something that your children can fast and let them understand why you're doing what you're doing. These are the ways we can bring them up to understand spiritual truth. And please, if you're asking somebody, and you can also ask brothers and sisters to fast with you. And believe with you. But if you're telling somebody to fast for you, you better be fasting for yourself too. Amen? So number one is fast. You want to destroy your Haman? Fast and pray. Number two, you see it in Ephesians chapter 5. Or Esther chapter 5. It says, now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. Two things there. The first thing is, she took off the ordinary clothes. And what did she put on? She put on the royal clothes. What does Ephesians tell you? It says, put on the whole armor. If you are going to meet the king, 
If you want your hairman to be destroyed, you need to always have your royal robes on all the time. And we read that, what are the royal robes? You have to have your waist girded with you. You are going to the Lord, know your scriptures. Because it's the truth of the word of God that you know. We know when you put a belt on, it straightens you up. It gives you structure. It gives you good posture. If you know your scriptures, you can go confidently before the Lord. And it gives you something to your... It's no longer subjective now. It's objective. It is the truth. And it's the truth that you know that will set you free. So you must know your scriptures. You must know your truth. And it says your breastplate of righteousness. That's living right. It's just as simple. You have to don't allow everything from the world. You have a breastplate. Protect your heart. He says your feet must be ready all the time to tell people about Jesus. The gospel of peace. And if you're carrying the gospel of peace, you better be a person of peace too. He says take the shield of faith. And with your shield of faith, when those doubts come, you have your faith. You have your pronouncements. You have your confessions. You pull that shield and that, that shield prevents those things from coming in. And then, of course, I talked about the helmet of salvation. Control your thoughts. Make sure you're not thinking negative things or speaking negative things about yourself or the situation. And we can see it as we go along. Esther went to the king. Nothing had changed. But you will see how she approached this, okay? So Esther dressed up. Theresa put Zechariah, I didn't tell you about this. You can get a scripture, chapter uh, 3 of Zechariah. Chapter 3 of Zechariah, I want you to show you something about putting on your right robes. How someone, Joshua, went before the Lord in the spirit. See what God said. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now we'll start reading. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. You see, we saw Satan in Job. Now we see in Zechariah chapter 3, again, verses 1 to 4. Write it down, you can get home and look at it. We see again, Satan is standing before Joshua, beside Joshua, in the presence of the Lord again. And what was he there to do? The Bible says he was standing at his right hand to oppose him. Verse 2 says, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. God said that to Satan. And it says, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand? Is Joshua not a brand plucked out from the fire? Whatever he has gone through, whatever cycle, whatever pain, is he not the one that that pain, that fire that he went through, has he not made him who he is today? Is that not the same with you? The Bible says in verse 3, I wish you could put it up, Teresa. Is up? Oh, okay, good. It says, now Joshua was clothed with what? Filthy garments. And was standing before the angel of the Lord. Then he, God, answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, told those angels, take away the filthy garments from him. That doesn't belong to you. 
And that's what God is telling you all. Take away your filthy garments. That condemnation is not from God. That negative mindset is not from God. That fear is not from God. Take it off. Take it off. When Jesus called Barnabas blind Bartimaeus, what did he do? The first thing blind Bartimaeus did was he took off those filthy rags from him and threw it down around to the Lord because he couldn't go to Jesus with his own filthy rags on. What filthy rags are you kind? God loves us. God will do anything. He's already done whatever. What is it that he cannot do for you if he gave us Jesus? But you have to change the way you see yourself. God said, said, take those filthy garments away from him. And he turned to Joshua and said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. And I will clothe you with what? Rich robes. Esther knew this. Esther went to the Lord. She went and dressed one and put on her royal rich robes. You can't have filthy robes. No sin will stand before the Lord. Negative words and mindset are filthy robes. You can't have that before the Lord. Self-hatred, where you just hate yourself, is filthy robes. You are made in the image of God. Fear, unbelief, unforgiveness, malice, bitterness. They are all filthy rags. They are not becoming of a bride of Christ. Number three, how did Esther defeat Haman? And how must you defeat your own Haman? That scripture says not only did she put on her robes, she went into the inner court. Teresa put that scripture back up. She went into the inner court of the king. She wasn't on the outside. She went in the holiest of holies. Sometimes when we are going through things, we decide to stay on the outer court. We don't pray anymore. We don't read our Bible anymore. We don't come to church anymore. We are mad at God. Why did this happen to me? After all I've done, I've served the Lord. Why is this thing happening to me every year in March? This happens to my family. Why do I have this? What I sold God, I will never have. Why am I having this? My father had it and I told my father I will never have it. I'm not a believer now. Look at it. God, you don't exist. And then we go and stay in the outer court. Esther didn't do that. Esther already knew what was going on. He knew that Haman was planning what he was, she, he was planning. But she still decided, I'm going to go on the inner, inner court to meet with the king. Number four, Esther invited Haman, the enemy, <laughs> to the table. What scripture does that remind you of? Psalm 23, right? Let's see what it says here in Esther chapter 5, verses 3 and 5. It says, And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom. So Esther, if it was you right there, and then I would tell the king, Hey man, but I'll come to that. You see how she handled this thing with wisdom. So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet. Let me set a table before him in the presence of my enemies. He said, if it pleases the king, let Haman come and feast with us. I will prepare that table for him. Then the king said, go and bring him. So king, the king and Haman went to the banquet which Esther had prepared. 
She didn't, she wasn't panicking. You see where she was panicking there? You see where she was reacting, knee-jerk reaction, all frazzled up? She was calm, she was cool, she was collected. Because she knew that before Haman dies, she wants to torment him too. Haman knew who she was, but he didn't know that she knew. He went in down knowing that she already knew what was going on. So can you imagine him eating and she's thinking you don't know what's coming to you. You just don't know what's coming to you. Eat. This is your last meal. Keep eating. She knew what she was doing, but you could tell she was calm. Served him. Oh, give him more drink. Oh, put more food on his plate. That's how we need to be. Sometimes we are the one, when the enemy is attacking us, or when things are happening, we react so quickly. Oh, they told you this sister something, said something about you. You pick up your car, and you drive to her house, and you curse that person out, and then they call the police. And then they put you in jail. Hey man, he's just happy. He has compounded your troubles. Or somebody tells you, somebody said something, or did something, you just go and do whatever. And they say, look at are you really a Christian? Is that how Christians behave? Guess what? Haman is winning. Be calm, be cool, be collected. Don't let the enemy know that you know what he's doing. I tell people, pregnancy, God made it so that the pregnancy is inside for nine months before you see the baby. God could have made us to have the baby and everybody says that the baby is growing. You need to learn to do things between you and God, hidden until the time that God says to expose this. Because then by the time you expose it or by the time God exposes it, you have all the facts. You have everything that the enemy knows that you know that you know that you know. So as believers, don't, be too, don't have too many knee-jerk reactions. No matter what is happening, be calm. Be collected. Let people see grace and royalty in you. Carry yourself with grace. Have a posture of somebody who knows what he or she is doing. When you talk too much, like Pastor Roy was saying that Wednesday, the Bible says when you talk too much, there's, no, there's always sin when you talk too much. And when you don't know anything, when you keep quiet, they think you know something. So if you don't know something, the best thing to do is just to be quiet and just keep smiling and they'll think you know what what's going on. Meanwhile, you have no clue. That's what Esther did here. Esther was calm, she was collected, but she knew what she was doing. You have to learn to enjoy your father even if the enemy is breathing down your neck. You have to learn to worship him and dine with him and fellowship with him. Have your intimate moments with him no matter what the enemy is doing. The time to be with the Lord is to be closer to him is when things are not going right. Some of us is when things are not going right we decide not to be in the presence of the Lord. That's when you need him the most. Because it pains the enemy, tortures him to see you praying when he knows you should be crying. It makes him crazy when he knows you should be crying and, and things are going crazy. But here you are praising the Lord and dancing. He's wondering, what else can I do to this woman to make her give up? That frustrates him. That is how we should do with Haman. She invited him to the table. She invited him to the table. Like I said, the second time, she did that the first time he asked her. She didn't even tell him what she wanted. She said, I want you to come back a second time. A second time? 
you know if you go the first time, he could have taken your head off. You want to go back a second time. But the king, I mean, that's her bride. That, that's, that's her uh, bridegroom. That's her king. That's her husband. She now had his ear. And she wanted to make sure she takes advantage of that to the fullest. So even when he asked that, she didn't, that's not the time. Learn to worship and love the Lord. Just even if you have your needs, even if you have pressing needs, go to him and just love on him. Let your prayer time, have prayer times, worship times where you're not asking him for anything. Where you're just saying, Lord, I just wanted to tell you, you've done so much for me. If you don't do one more thing for me, I'm good. He said, what do you want? No, Lord, I just want, today I just want to seek your face, Lord. I don't want, not your hand. I, I know if I seek your face, your hand would give me what I need. Let us be believers that do that. Lord, I appreciate you. Lord, I thank you for what you've done for me. Look at my family. Look at my life. Who would have thought, Lord, it is only by your good. Just learn to love him. The king was her priority. The relationship which she had with him was what she wanted. We have to really learn. That's what I'm saying. If we are going to have revival, if we are going to have things to be different, we really, really, the presence of the Lord is where everything is at. You know? I have seen, I have seen pain. I have gone through pain. And I can tell you that nobody can do you like Jesus. No one can do you like Jesus. I remember when, you know, I would have panic attacks so bad. Because I, I was made pastor of this church five weeks after my husband died. So I'm still trying to process all that's going on. I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going with this. I still have the fog. I can't even think straight. Am I going to preach? Am I going to stand in front of people? We have four to six million people watching us every weekend in Nigeria. How am I going to do that? And so on Sunday mornings, I will have panic attacks. So bad. 30 minutes I have to be in church. Sometimes I'll just lay on my face. I put on some worship music. Sometimes just soaking music. There's even no words to it. And I can just feel strength. Strength coming in and I can get up. And I'll preach. We had a Sunday here. I was, before I preached, my daughter fainted here. Some of you were here. Do you know what it takes for a mother to preach? Knowing that they just carried your child out. And you don't know if she's okay, if they're taking her to the hospital. You have no clue. And you have to stand for 45 minutes and preach. It's only in the presence of God that you can get such strength. And so I'm telling you, I'll spend time with God. He's all that we really need. Nobody can do to you or do for you what he can do for you. Number seven. I'm going to go to number seven. Esther chapter seven, verses three and four. Then Queen Esther answered and said, that was the second time the king asked, what can I do for you? She said, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, 
And if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition. And my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. This woman is smart. Do you know what she was doing here? <laughs> Let me first do the first one first. She's a smart person. The first thing she said was, or she did was she revealed who she was. She pulled back that mask and said, this is really who I am, Lord. I'm not just Hadassah. I'm not just Esther, rather. I'm also Hadassah. I'm a Jew. You didn't know who I was, but this is who really, you know, who I am, really. God wants us to be very honest with him. God doesn't want us to come to him with a mask in place. If you want to be honest with somebody that you can tell, this is me, Lord. This is all my evil thoughts. This is all the things that nobody knows I had that abortion, but Lord is still tormenting me. There's no other. You can tell him that. Sometimes we do it in church. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. And then you go to the Lord too to pray, and you're saying, I'm good. You're not good. You know it that you're not good, but why can't you be real and say, God, I hate her God. I hate her God, but you can help me. If I wasn't saved, I would have slapped that brother who dead said that to me. It's like somebody told me, oh, you know, Pastor Angela, maybe God took uh, Pastor Goodluck home because you would not be doing what you are doing now if not, if Pastor Goodluck didn't, didn't go to heaven. I looked at that man. I looked at him. I was like, should I punch his teeth out? What should I do? And I went to the Lord, and that's what I told God. I said, I hate that. I wish you let me, for just one minute, take my salvation off and punch him in the face. There are times you need to be honest with God. God, you know me as Esther, but I'm really Hadassah. She took that mask off before her Lord because she knew he was her husband. He was her king. She was his bride and she could be honest and open and raw and naked before him. Aren't we naked? Married couples, aren't you naked before, before your spouses? He's your husband. He's your spouse. He's your king. Be naked before him. And then she did something so, so smart. She told the king, she said, if they kill me, it's your own loss. Do you know what she was saying? I'm your wife. If they kill me, you have no wife. Which man wants that to happen, you know? She found a way to make it where he would know that this, if they kill her, is going to be his own loss. If, if the enemy takes you out before your time, all the souls that you're going to leave to the Lord, whose loss is that? Is it not his loss? All the good things he wants you to do, if you don't do it, all the things he purposes to you, if he lets him and win over you, how are you going to, who's, who's losing? You are going to go to heaven, Abi. I'm speaking Nigeria. <laughs> Abi means right. So if I say Abi, just say yeah. Abi is right. So she, she found a way 
to connect it to him so he understands the loss this will be to him. And do you think that's not going to make the king angry? It's going to make him angry and that's exactly what happened. The king was furious, the Bible says. He stood up and went to the garden. If you read the story, I don't want to go into too much detail. Because, but what happened was, immediately she said that he was so angry. The Bible says he went out. He went out. And I'm like, what is he going out to do? He went out to calm himself and to get all the gods. And that's what God does. He starts to get all your angels. All the angels. Where are you? Who is there to talk? Who is touching my bride? And then when he came back with the, with the gods beside him, he found this stupid man laying across Esther, begging, but in the mind of, who are you to even touch the queen? Who is that demon that wants to touch you? You that seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, who is that devil that wants to lay his finger? You dare to lay yourself across the queen? The the king was so angry, told the guards, grab him. Do you see what they did? Read your this is interesting. That's why you all need to read the Bible. Because these things are really fun. Sometimes we are reading, it's like, oh my god, yeah, 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 get him, get him, get him. The guards, the Bible says the guards covered his face. They covered his face. Haman. They took him out there with his face covered. That is what your prayers, your fasting. If you do things with wisdom and understanding, spiritual intelligence, you will always defeat your Haman. That's how they carried Haman out. And between the time, the first meeting and the second meeting, Haman had dug a huge gallow for, for them to hang Mordecai and Esther. We didn't, well, not knowing that Esther was Esther, but to hang all the Jews. But she's a Jew. He had dug up this, this place for them to hang all of them. And Esther went to the king and said, you know what? They've taken him out, but you know, he had dug a gallow. What do you think we should do? The king says, go and hang him in his home. In God. Whatever enemy meant for you, he himself will be the one to suffer the consequences. In my country, they say, the arrows they send to you, the Lord will send those arrows back to the sender. So the gallows that Haman dug for Mordecai and Esther and all the Jews, not only did he hang there, remember, he also wanted to destroy all the children, all the men, every Jew. Guess what? God said, it's your turn now. Not only was he killed, his ten sons, and everybody was wiped out. And in addition, the last thing is she got exceedingly, abundantly more, the Bible says. It says, God will give us exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or ever think of. What was that in Esther's case? Not only was Haman hanged, everything that belonged to Haman, the king gave to her. Everything she got exceedingly. Let's read it. Esther chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. It says, Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hands on the Jews. He now told Queen, he says, you yourself write a decree concerning the Jews. Now it's Esther making decrees. The Bible says, speak a word, word it shall be established unto you. He says, what you bind here, what? Is bound in heaven. What you lose in heaven will be loosed here on earth. That's what is happening here. The king gave authority to Esther 
He says, you yourself, Esther, write a decree. You write the decree concerning the Jews as you please. In the king's name. What do we have? The name of Jesus said, and seal it with the king's signet. We have the blood of Jesus. He says, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet, no one can revoke. See the authority we have? You see how this young girl, orphan girl, brought this out for us to learn lesson from? Whatever she decreed could not be revoked. In Job 22:28, he says, You shall also decree a thing, a thing and it will be established for you. Whatever. Esther recovered everything. Esther saved her people. That generational curse was destroyed. Not only did she help her people, help herself, but look at all the things she got for being obedient and following the way God wanted him and to be dealt with. Stand to your feet. We are going to do the same thing today. We are going to do the same thing today. We have already here broken strongholds, broken patterns, broken off everything that is hounding us and our children and our family members. Our brothers and sisters, I forgot to tell you, my two bro- sisters are here today. You all make sure you give them a hug. I was so into stuff, I forgot to introduce them. That's my older sister and that's my immediate older sister. So all of us, again, we have to be honest with the Lord and not worry who is looking at you or who is here. But if you have that thing that we have broken off of you, we have broken it, I don't want to believe it's still in, the, in your life. It's been broken up, but you won't hear today to say, okay, a prayer partner, hold my hands and, and decree with me that whatever I now want God to do for me will be established. And not only that, above all, that I want the enemy to return what he stole from me. If that's you, I want you to come as they lead and they just play really softly. Just come and I want the prayer partners to first come out and just line up here. You're just going to have somebody agree with you. Hold hands, not a long prayer, just to hold hands with you and say, I'm agreeing with you, I'm decreeing with you that everything the enemy took from you, he's going to bring it back. He's going to bring it back. You are going to recover all. You are going to recover everything. Come out and let's pray and agree with you. Hallelujah. 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 Just sing really softly for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. That we are recovering all. We are recovering all that belongs to us. We are recovering everything that belongs to us. We take it back by force. We take it back by force. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And if you are not having anything, raise your hands. Let me bless you. But if you want to come out and be prayed for, please do that. But let me bless you as you go out into your way. Father God, I bless your children. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that your favor, your favor, let your favor go with your children this week. Let them go out blessed. Let them come back blessed in the name of Jesus. Prosper their hands, O oh God. Everything they put their hands to do, prosper it, O oh God. No evil will come to them. They will be safe and protected, O oh God. 
And we thank you for a time of time with you, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. If you want to be prayed for, please, please come out and be prayed for today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I am who you say I am. You crown me with power. Oh, yes, 